Welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez, collaborating today with the Minnesota Research Link. Welcome, everybody. And today I'm here with my co-worker, my co-team. I said, is that teammate? Or what would it be the right? Is that how you say it, Jenghi? Um, teammate. I guess we're teammates on, on this project. How you doing, Jenghi? Yeah, I think... I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Thank you, Miguel. Uh, I, I think we're lagging a little bit, so I didn't catch that first part, but I'm really oh. excited to be here. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, my internet is not too strong today. I was just saying that we collaborate together in the Minnesota Research Link, and today we wanna we wanna talk about about your experience. Uh, you wanna share with us your experience with the COVID nineteen vaccine. So welcome. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Uh, it's been a crazy week as a grad student over here and helping out with the um, MN Research Link Facebook page. But I'm really glad to be here. Um, but yeah, on that topic of the sure. vaccine, I was a part of a vaccine critical trial, um, clinical trial. So I'd love to talk more about that if you have any questions. Awesome. Yes, definitely. Well, first of all, I want to, for the people who are listening to us only through through um, our podcast, can, do you mind sharing with us what is the Minnesota Research Link or somebody who is new to the page? Yes, definitely. So the Minnesota Research Link, we're a Facebook page, right, as you could probably tell, but we were created after a small study that surveyed Minnesota State Fair um, people who went to the Minnesota State Fair. And it seems like there was a lot of interest in having a Facebook page where we disseminate scientific information, research, and health communication through from Mayo Clinic, University of Minnesota, and et cetera, to the greater Minnesota residents. And so a collaboration with the Mayo Clinic and U of M Clinical Translation Science Center was formed in order to disseminate this information through this Facebook page that you're seeing. Um, and we, we share a lot of information. We mostly focus on health research, uh, health research, and we try to make the research as easily communicated as possible. But we also interview some really interesting people too. And um, today I'm the one being interviewed, so that's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, first of all, congratulations on you getting the vaccine, but tell us a little bit about how were you able to to get in this, um, to get the vaccine. Right, yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, it kind of just spread word, word of mouth. Um, technically, I don't know whether or not I got the vaccine oh, because okay. I was part of the clinical trial. Okay. Um, when they're giving us one or two, so I wasn't given the choice. I was either given a placebo, which is the fake drug, or the actual drug, which is the vaccine. Can I, can I stop you there for a second, Yankee, before we move? Can you help me understand or also share what is a, a, a clinical trial? Yeah, that's a good question. So a clinical trial is something that a lot of drug companies do or a lot of academic companies or institutions do to see whether or not a drug is actually effective. And the way they test to see if these drugs are clin 
are effective is to see if there are actual differences between the people who get the drug versus the people who don't get the drug. And they look at these differences by randomizing participants into the people who get the drug or people who don't get the drug, just so that we eliminate as much bias as possible. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. So you, you find out about this, how by email, do you subscribe to a mailing list or how this happened? It was really interesting. So I was really looking, as an epidemiology grad student, I'm really familiar with clinical trials. And as COVID was really picking up, I was looking over online to see how I can help. And this was the height of when vaccines were starting to be manufactured. There's a lot of news about vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, just start, I just started talking about it with my friends. And just through social media, I found this opportunity to take the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, AstraZeneca is not yet approved in the United States, but it is approved in others, uh, other countries, such as the United Kingdom, I believe. Okay. Um, and so the process was very fast, actually. I signed up, I got approved very quickly, and I took the fee about two months ago in, in January, and then I took the second dose a couple of weeks later. And so... Um, who knows whether or not I got the vaccine, but I okay. technically got two shots. So it's oh. been an interesting experience. And by any chance, do you felt that you developed some symptoms? Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like I developed some symptoms. So after the first initial so shot, I felt, yeah, yeah, I just felt really sore at oh. the injection site, but also just I felt like I was getting sick. You know, like, you okay. know that feeling icky. you get, yeah. yeah, you feel icky, you feel very fatigued, and I didn't quite have a fever, but it was pretty high, about 99 degrees. Um, but after that, nothing major, it only lasted for about a day or so, and the um, and that, that was that. Um, and so this is why it's important to have a clinical trial, because... The thing about placebos is that the placebo is not actually the drug. And so... So they if, create two groups and one group get the actual mm -hmm. medicine or whatever they're testing. And the other one, they just give you something and... But they don't tell you then? Yep, yep. So they, so in both groups, they actually don't tell you which drug you get. Okay. Um, so in one group... So and the reason why they do this is to blind both the doctors and the participant in knowing which drug they get because if I knew which drug I got um, I might make up my symptoms or I might feel symptoms that otherwise I wouldn't feel which my actions would remain the same so for example if I knew that I did get the drug I may be more likely to do more dangerous activities like not wearing a mask or okay. visiting gyms and so on. And so that's why it's really important to have some of these clinical trials. What kind of follow-up do they do? Do they ask you questions or survey after taking the those shots? Mm -hmm. What kind of um, what Yeah, it's it's very consistent. Yeah, it's actually pretty annoying. Uh it's they're very, very persistent in follow-ups and so on. I think every couple of days or so, I get an email saying that if I exhibit some COVID symptoms, I should give them a call. I'm also told to log into a web portal, so a website with my information, and they will just remind me um, to take a weekly survey of my current symptoms 
Okay. Um, and they also have in-person follow-up visits. First, um, for the next two years or so. Wow. Yeah. And so the first follow-up visits, um, I had one follow-up visit the first month and another follow-up visit the second month. And after that, I have follow-up visits every three months or so just to see if I have any antibodies within my system. Okay. Have you so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's the reason why they do that is they're trying to measure how long the vaccine lasts. Got it. Have you participated in other research studies? I actually, yeah, I participated in um, some just psychological research at the university. Um, there's always research going on at the U because you know we're such a large institution, and so there'd be undergrads who ask me to complete a survey. There'd be other opportunities like um, physical activities and so on. But this is the first clinical trial where I'm asked to actually take some sort of drug. And it's been a very interesting experience. So uh, for everybody who's listening and watching, I'm, I'm just gonna share some information where you can find out about um, research studies close to you. So if you go to researchmatch.com and you enter by your zip code and enter, create a profile, and then you get notices, emails of research studies that are happening uh, in you, you can build your own criteria where you say, I just want to participate in studies that happen within 10 miles, 5 miles, 20 miles, 60 miles. You pick how far you want to travel or be, you know, take part in these studies. So I just want to encourage everybody to check because the more we participate, the more community members get engaged and involved. And especially in the early stages is, is the better for the general public. So what, what, um, what about other... Uh, before you got into the epidemiology field and the university, do you have any experience or background in your family or being exposed to research, Yankee? No, actually, I think it's pretty interesting. So I'm a first-generation college student, okay. and my mother and my father never had anything beyond a fifth-grade education. Um, so I'm the first one in my family to go to college and even pursue a master's and PhD degree, which I'm really proud of. And Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. But it is also kind of hard because it, even if I want to talk to my parents about what I do, they don't really understand. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. They know that I'm doing really interesting things. Yeah. But that's good too for future generations, like you, like we were talking about, just just to and just community members to to have that civic duty, you know, to can be research, can be in a county level, could be a, with your city hall. You, we can engage in in different ways, and I guess the most uh, we engage, we we're gonna know what's going on in our communities and take decisions. I guess take. Um, empower us, empower our communities to, to learn, uh, especially, for example, these this, uh, times dur during the COVID vaccine rollout now. Uh, you know, there is some hesitate from community members to don't take the vaccine, but that's also is normal, you know, the uncertainty. Uh, if I'm not sure, uh, uh, for example, if somebody invited me to go ski downhill, 
and this is my first time and I'm not really familiar, I'm going to be scared. Or I, once I'm on the top of the hill, I'm, I decided to like, ah, no, thank you. I'm not going to do it. And, and But that's a normal response, you know. And But I guess the more we talk about uh, science and research, you know, and, and get people involved or communities to participate, understand really the process and, and what is uh, what it takes to, for example, develop uh, a vaccine. Absolutely, yeah. And Miguel, you bring up a really interesting point in that a lot of the, some of these communities, um, they're not involved in research. And at the same time, they don't actively participate in clinical trials. Um, so they may be missing out on some really great and interesting opportunities to become involved a lot of, a lot of um, communities of color and communities that are lower income, they don't actively participate in research or clinical trials. Um, so they may be missing out on some really interesting or great opportunities or just to become more immersed in the sciences in general. All right. That's so true. Mm-hmm. So, Yankee, what, what about, what was that support or how, how like, you, thank you for sharing that you're the first member of your family who goes for higher education what um who who give you that little push or or what um you know because we all need that little support or somebody to believe on us i'm I'm sure your parents have been part of it but have you had some mentoring to or how do you get into the epidemiology field and do you mind explaining a little bit what epidemiology covers Yep, definitely. So on epidemiology, epidemiology can be defined as the study or communication of diseases across a population. So um, an example would be the coronavirus right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Epidemiology would study on how the coronavirus is spread throughout a population. And also more generally, we're also interested in how people... Um, just interact with each other and how that affects health outcomes. So really anything that affects health outcomes on a population level, that's what epidemiologists are really focused on. Um, And my trajectory towards epidemiology is um, kind of of interesting, I guess. I I considered myself very lucky. Um, I had a lot of teachers who really believed in me even when I didn't really believe in myself. And so English is my third language, and um, I struggled a lot throughout my primary education just to learn how to speak the language and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my undergrad, I had a lot of support through the TRIO programs, um, such as the Student Support Services, Upward Bound, and Educational Challenge Search. And those are programs designed to help students like me, students who might be promising, but are often uh, marginalized just based on um, low income or um, race, ethnicity, or some other extraneous factors. At what Um, age do you um, got involved with this program? I I really got involved in the TRIO programs um, when I was 19, as soon as I entered my undergrad. Um, Yeah. Yeah, as you mentioned with me, you shared before, uh, the you moved from from Alaska, so you are from Alaska region area, or yeah, yeah. Um, more specifically, I was born in Korea, but I moved to Alaska when I was about um, two years old or so. And so, 
um, I, I feel like I very much grew up there, and I came to Minnesota to uh, to go to undergrad and get my master's and my PhD. Okay. And how was that transfer from Alaska to to Minnesota? That, was, do you find any culture shock? Uh, I think the biggest shock for me was that in Alaska, during the summers at least, um, it can stay light all day long. Uh, during the height of summer, it might get dark around 8 p.m. or like 9 p.m. during the during the height of summer at least. Uh-huh. But in Minnesota, um, the summers, it, it would be um, like it'd start getting dark around 7 or 6. And I just thought that was so weird that like... Um, I thought that was really, I, I, I thought Alaska was pretty normal. Um, and so I think that was the biggest difference for me. That's good. And, uh, and related back to the, to the field here in the science and, and your work that you do it here with the Minnesota Research Link, do you have any coming up event that you want to share with our friends so they stay uh, yeah, definitely. So in the future, we'll probably have a couple of interviews coming. So we may have Dr. Sonia Brady um, as our interviewee. Dr. Sonia Brady does a lot of research on police violence and community-based participatory research, particularly among um, Black residents in the United States. Mm-hmm. So hopefully in the future, we'll be able to interview her. Um, in the next coming weeks, we're really going to start to focus on nutrition. And so we might interview another nutritionist or someone else involved in the nutrition science research. Um, but after that, uh, I, I don't really, we always have something coming up. So as uh, anybody watching, if you're yeah. interested in any of those topics, also, if you're interested in um, us bringing in any other experts in research, please leave a comment or uh, message us on Facebook and we'd really appreciate your input. Yeah, and also, if, or if you if you're collaborating with a research team, not necessarily from Mayo or or the University of Minnesota, but you're collaborating as a community member with a research team, please send us a message, contact us, and and we would like to learn about your project and highlight your uh, your project. And just make sure you reach out to us. Stay tuned with the Minnesota Research Link, and also follow us here at the community board podcast where you can find us on itunes on their community board on soundcloud also on their community board and facebook and twitter on their community board Yenji, anything else would you like to share today with our friends um not really the weather is absolutely fantastic in minnesota right now so please go outside and enjoy the, the the nice weather actually and hopefully we'll have summer very coming very soon Yankee, before we go, do you cook? I, do you I, know I, any special recipes either from Alaska or from Korea? You know, I one of my favorite things to make, or to bake particular. I used to work as a baker during my undergrad. Okay. And one of my favorite things to make is a baked Alaska. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't come from Alaska. It's basically a, the, the bottom is a cake and the insides is ice cream and you cover it with a meringue so it's basically like a fluffy sweetened egg white and then you put whiskey on it and you light it on fire um i don't know why it's called a baked alaska but it's really cool really impressive 
because it's, it's basically an ice cream cake that you light on fire. It's inside the syrup. Yeah, and it's so good. Man, once we're, I'm so glad the vaccines are out. We have to keep up with our masks and washing hands and social distancing. But as soon we're able to meet again as a team, you have to bring one of those. I, I will do it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And stay tuned for more information from the Minnesota Research Link and the Community Board Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody.